Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 18b, Aeneid Book 4, Lines 259 to 299. In this episode, you will learn that gods can be sarcastic too, and that secretly moving to another country is the best way to break up with your girlfriend. Ut prima latis tetigit magalia plantis aeneian fundantar ces actecta noantem conspicit. At quilis delatus jaspide fulva insis erat tirio quar debat muricelaina demis exumeris. Dives quae munaredido fecerat et tinui telas discreverat auro. Continuin vadit tu nunc Carthaginis altae fundamenta locas, pulcrom cuxorius urbem extruis, heu regni rerum quoblite tuarum. Ipse deum tibi me claro demitit Olimpo regnator caelet terras qui numine torquet, ipsaec fere iubet celeres mandata per auras. Quid struis? Out quaspe libicis teris otia teris. Si te nulla moet tantarum gloria rerum, nec super ipse tua moliris laude laborem, Ascanium surgentet space heredis iuli respice, cui regni taliae romana quetelus debetur. Tali celenius ore lucutus, mortales visus, medio sermone reliquit, et procul in tenuex oculis evanuit auram. At verae as aspecta mutuit amens, a rectae quorore comet vox faucibus haesit. Ardet abire fuga dulcesque relinquere terras, atonitus tanto moni temperioque deorum. Heu quid agat, quo nunc reginam bire furentem audeat ad fatu, quae prim exordia sumat. At quanimum nunc huc celerem nunc dividit illuc in partisque rapit varias per quomnia versat. Haec alternanti potior sententia visest. Nestea sergestumque vocat fortemque serestum, class ap tentaciti socios quad litora cogant. Arma parent, et quae rebosit causa noandis dissimulent. Se sinteria quandoptima dido nesciat, et tantos rumpi non speret amores, temptatur raditus, et quae molissima fandi tempora. Quis rebus dexter modus. Ocius omnes imperio laeti parent et iosafacesunt. At regina dolos, quis faller apposit amantem, praesensit. Motus quex scapit prima futuros omnia tuta timens. Ead impia fama furinti detulit, armari classem cursumque parari. 
As soon as he touched the huts with his winged heels, he catches sight of Aeneas founding citadels and making new structures. And for him there was a sword glittering with tawny yellow jasper, and a cloak let down from his shoulders was blazing with Tyrian purple, gifts which wealthy Dido had made, and she had divided the weave with thin gold. Immediately he rushes in. Do you now place the foundations of lofty Carthage, and, wife ruled, build up a beautiful city? Alas, having forgotten about your kingdom and your responsibilities. The ruler of the gods himself, who twists the sky and the lands with his divine power, sends me to you from bright Olympus. He himself orders me to carry these commands through the swift breezes. What are you building? Or with what hope do you waste idle time in Libyan lands? If no glory of such great things moves you, nor do you yourself struggle at your labor over your own praise, consider Ascanius rising and the hope of your heir Eulus, to whom the kingdom of Italy and the Roman land is owed. Selenius, having spoken from such a mouth, left mortal sight in the middle of the speech, and far off vanished from his eyes into thin air. But truly Aeneas stood speechless, out of his mind at the sight, and his hair stood on end in horror and his voice stuck in his throat. He burns to leave in flight and to abandon the sweet lands, astonished by so great a warning and command of the gods. Alas, what should he do? With what address should he dare to visit the raging queen? What first beginnings should he take up? And he divides his quick mind now here, now there. He takes it into various parts and keeps turning through everything. This opinion seems preferable to the wavering man. He calls Nestheus and Sergestus and brave Serestus, that they should make ready the fleet silently and gather their companions to the shores. They should prepare arms and they should conceal what is the reason for doing the new things. That meanwhile, since the very good Dido does not know and would not expect such great loves to be broken, he himself would attempt approaches and what times are softest for speaking, what is the right way for things. Rather quickly, everyone, happy, obeys his command and carries out his orders. But the queen sensed ahead of time the tricks, who is able to deceive a lover, and first caught on to the future movements, fearing everything safe. The same wicked rumor brought to her, raging, that the fleet was being armed and a course was being prepared. Last time, Fama, rumor about Aeneas and Dido's relationship had swept across Libya, and Yarbus had asked Daddy to deal with the problem. So Jupiter sends Mercury to visit Aeneas, with specific instructions about what to say to him. And when Mercury touches down in Carthage, the first thing he sees is Aeneas building some Carthaginian buildings in Carthage. The second thing he sees is the bedazzled sword and the purple cloak with gold thread that Aeneas is wearing. And he unloads both barrels of sarcasm into Aeneas. Mercury's sarcastic speech to Aeneas goes beyond the message that Jupiter told him to deliver. He shames Aeneas with insults to his honor and implies that he has forgotten about his son he calls him Uxorius, someone who is a slave to their wife, and tells him he is wasting his time. Mercury's message is so harsh because Aeneas is actually doing what he's supposed to do, but in the wrong place. He is building a city, but not his own. His seven years of wandering and scarcity had toughened him, but now he has lapsed into softness and luxury, supporting the jabs that Yarbus took at him in his prayer to Jupiter. He had been moving toward Romanness, but he has taken a step backward. He was notable in Pietas, but he has forgotten his responsibilities and sacrificed his destiny for immediate comfort and personal desire. Mercury delivers his scathing message and then immediately disappears, leaving Aeneas dumbfounded by the message. 
The English translation of astonished or dumbstruck loses the great wordplay in the Latin atonitus, which literally means thunderstruck. Since the message came from Jupiter, god of lightning and thunder, even Virgil, literary master that he is, couldn't resist the occasional awesome pun. Now Aeneas knows that he has to leave, and he longs to leave, but Virgil still calls the lands dolces, emphasizing Aeneas's mixed mind. He wants to go, but he recognizes the sweetness of the time he spent in Carthage. He is also uncertain as to how he should approach Dido. Notice the prolepsis that Virgil uses in line 283 when he describes Dido as furentem. She isn't yet, but Aeneas knows that it's inevitable that she will be, and this inevitability comes true with Forinti in line 298 after Fama has brought Dido the report. Virgil also uses the text itself to further emphasize Aeneas's indecisiveness by using the deliberative subjunctive when looking at his potential options and using interlocking word order when describing his mind switching back and forth. Aeneas, being awesome at making all the decisions, decides that the best course of action is to get ready to leave in secret and to wait and see if the opportunity to talk reveals itself. And of course, Dido senses that something is up. And then our friend Fama makes an appearance, confirming her fears that the Trojans are packing up to leave. The phrase at regina occurs in three specific places within Book 4 and serves almost as a marker, dividing up the book into a three-act drama structure. At regina is in the first line of Book 4, bringing you back to the present time after two books of flashback. At regina occurs in these lines, marking the transition to Act 2 of the tragedy where Dido finds out about Aeneas leaving her and begins losing her mind. And in line 504, At regina will mark the transition to Act 3 where Dido has decided to commit suicide. Aeneas knows that Dido is going to be furious, and we are told that she is furious when she finds out about his secret plans, but we will have to wait until next time to find out just how upset she will become. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. What was a Roman audience meant to think about Aeneas' physical appearance as Mercury sees him in Carthage? How does Mercury attempt to shame Aeneas for his actions? What arguments does he make to convince Aeneas to leave? How does Virgil depict Aeneas' inner turmoil about the best way to break the news to Dido? How does Fama play a role in this section of the text? Where does Caesar depict indecisiveness as leading to problems in the Bellum Gallicum? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete. <laughs>